Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today, I've got a friend joining me on the podcast. This is a dude that I respect and admire, and I've got to see his business explode in recent years. We actually met through a mutual good friend of ours, Ezra Firestone. We're both part of Ezra's Blue Ribbon Mastermind. Hey, e-commerce evolution listeners. I hope you like free stuff. I also hope you like free stuff that's actually worth a lot of money. If so, I have some great resources that are yours for the taking. If you've been wanting to dominate with YouTube ads, but you don't know exactly where to get started, or maybe you're doing a little bit on YouTube ads, but you want better ideas for ads, request our free top YouTube ad templates guide. It's 16 of the best YouTube ads we've ever seen. We break them down, show you why they work, how they work, and how to apply the principles to your next YouTube ad. We also have the ultimate guide to getting authentic customer testimonials. And we have a Google shopping guide that's very timely and something that I think most sellers need. If you sell on Amazon, we also have a couple resources for you there our DSP Roadmap, and our sponsored brand video success guide. These are all free for you. I think they're going to be super, super helpful. Check them out at omgcommerce.com. Click on resources and then guides, and I hope they create a breakthrough for you. And now, back to the show. And so today, you're going to be getting the inside scoop, the story for my buddy Ryan McKenzie, co-founder of True Earth. You'll hear all about True Earth and the innovation. The cool so yeah, I just saw, if you're watching the video, you just saw a flash of the True Earth product. So we're going to get into that. We're going to get into some, some marketing tactics, some brand storytelling. Just uh, Ryan has an amazing marketing mind and some amazing marketing skills. And so we're going to talk about some of those fun things today and get to, to hear his story. And so with that, Ryan McKenzie, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on the show. I'm good, man. Thanks for thanks for having me. It's uh, always nice to see your face, even if it's uh, not in person. You know. <laughs> yeah, dude. We were. Uh, well, I appreciate that. We were just uh, talking about how you know, we know we're, we're both pretty young guys, right? I mean, in our own heads, maybe we're getting a little gray. You know, I'm really good looking. Really good looking. <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, we're very attractive. Uh, more than you know, above average, whatever. Uh, that's what we tell ourselves. Um, but yeah, getting a little bit of salt and pepper going on here. So I guess, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's, it's real. It's happening. So uh, yeah, man. So we're going to mainly focus on True Earth, your e-commerce business, and how it's been exploding and the innovative things you guys are doing. But you have a really interesting background in direct marketing and media and magazines and subscription boxes, like all kinds of crazy stuff. So can you give us like the 90 second rundown of, you know, how Ryan McKenzie became <laughs> marketing superstar and then we'll dig into the truth. Marketing superstar, overnight marketing superstar, overnight. 20, 20 years in the making. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I, I, we, I started messing around on the internet in like the, the late 90s. Um, and I've always been like super entrepreneurial. One, one of our business partners, uh, Kevin Hinton and I have been friends since kindergarten, and uh, we've literally been scheming in in some form or another since probably like kindergarten. We're like doing like lemonade stands and like trying to sell bracelets and all sorts of stuff like that. And then uh, the internet started to become a thing in the late '90s, and 
you know, we went from like trying to make a, 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 an application for like a, a, an app or a software back then for like bike trails. And then we were trying to do, we were doing like, um, like websites and trying to sell ads. And then we had uh, a media company and we're doing, they had a, a huge email list of like a million subscribers nearly uh, in the early 2000s. And we're doing like newsletter ads, like CPC stuff. And then we got uh, Have you always this. been in Vancouver? Yeah, I've always been in Vancouver. Well, I actually only lived like in Vancouver for probably a year of my entire life, but the rest of it has primarily been in like a, a, a suburb, like 20 minutes from Vancouver. Got it, got it. But that explains like the bike trail angle, like lots yeah. of biking, lots of outdoors. Yeah, I'm literally looking at mountains and the ocean or an inlet to the ocean from where I'm sitting right now. So it's, yeah, it's Vancouver's wild. Um yeah, so we, you know, we started doing well in like uh, kind of the like advertising, like selling advertising using using networks, not actually direct sales, um, and then getting into the affiliate side of things. And then that led to like we had a ringtone subscription service for a while, it started as affiliate, and then we had a service, and then that got shut down. And then uh, Kevin and I built this platform called InfoBarrel, which uh, isn't still alive, but. And what's right, it called again? Info Bro? Info, info Barrel. Um, oh, barrel. And it was like okay. really big in like the article marketing days, but um, sorry. Dude, I, dude, I remember those days. Article marketing. That's that's actually quick, quick side note, quick history uh, on, on the host here. That's how I got started online marketing as an SEO. And my first claim to fame in the SEO was I got uh, a client of mine to rank in the top 10 for the search term brochures. And uh, all I used was article marketing. Uh, and that ranking did not last. <laughs> it was real, man. It, it was but for like, a while. That was legit, you know. Yeah, like two thousand, like six to like two thousand, probably ten. That that was like a really great Crushing way to rank that. for things. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I actually had an SEO agency in that time frame too because that was just like that tactic was amazing. But anyways, we launched this site, InfoBarrel. It was uh, this platform was kind of like a Squidu or a Hub Pages, and we shared seventy five percent of the revenue with our users, and it got big. Like there was like. Uh, something like 8 million searches a month at some point. Wow. And, uh, and then Panda and Penguin and all those Google updates hit and kicked their ass all the way gnarly. back to... That was gnarly, man. Those days, that was the wild... It was the wild west and then Google put the, the smack down and then, uh, man, the uh, the pain, the, the blood in the streets in the SEO community oh, <laughs> when man. Panda and Penguin hit. Uh, Dude, look, that, it was bad. Like When our ringtone subscription got shut down and we started InfoBarrel... Um, we went from making, you know, we were like 20 something making like hundred grand a month and then it got shut down and we had like literally no income and I had to go start selling cell phones at the mall. Like I thought I was like this entrepreneur that was like going to be retired and like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, just like, let's spend the money wherever we can. I'm 25. Like I, I just thought that it was a billionaire in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. We were like planning out like getting Lamborghini. Just like stupid, like, like crap that I probably, you know, I'm glad I went through it just for perspective, but like the low was really bad. Like it was really bad. And I was, I had some good debt, but anyways, I climbed out of that. was doing some, actually got out of that, was doing longshoring at the same time while we were trying to support all this. Um, and we met Brad in the middle of Info Barrel um, and we had no money and we had left our other warehouse, but we were working in my garage and it was so cold. Kevin was like shivering. And Vancouver's pretty warm. It never gets that cold, but it was like, it was cold. And he had an ad out for um, uh, uh, a social media guy. And they had like some extra office space at their, their building or whatever. So I went down 
And they're like, oh, you're a great fit. You can rent it out. And I'm like, well, there's this one problem. Like, I don't, I, I actually don't have any money. <laughs> is that, is that going like, to be an issue? Is that going to yeah. cause problems here? I can't, I can't exactly pay rent. Can I wash dishes? Like, uh, and <laughs> so he, they were really cool about and This is actually like, this is how I met Brad, who's one of the co-founders of True Earth and business partner. Um, and he's like, you know what? Listen, I get it. Uh, you seem like you guys know what you're doing. Um, first month, you can stay for free. And as you guys build your business back up, we'll just move your rent up to where, where it's supposed to be. Beautiful. And then, yeah, it was amazing. Cool, and then, arrangement. Yeah. yeah, like, I mean, you know, every time I tell that story, I kind of get tingles because if Brad hadn't offered that at that point in my sure. life, we wouldn't, like, that probably would have, that would have been. And this yeah. wouldn't have happened. And like, you know, I don't know what, what I'd be doing right now. But um, uh, yeah, so a couple of years later, we were still just working independently from each other. We were renting the space from him and we were helping them with some of their stuff with like one of the, one of the magazines. And he asked if we wanted to do a merger with uh, these magazines and this other company and uh, with, mag with magazines. And we're like, well, I could probably figure out a way to make money with those. Um, and that kind of was that. Um, we partnered up with these, these other guys. We took on, bought a couple other magazines. And then we had a, uh, they decided they wanted to stick with just magazines a couple years in. We uh, uh, parted ways. And we looked, we started getting more into the e-commerce side of things and blending magazines with, uh, with e-commerce. And, um, you know, at the time when we had that breakup, again, it seemed pretty scary. Um, but it was probably the absolute best thing that could have happened because it allowed so many other doors and windows to open. Yeah, that's fantastic. And so, so let's, let's, let's do kind of a quick detour and talk about magazines and traditional media and, and, and building your own media uh, in general. Where do you think that fits in, in, in the, the scheme of things right now for, for uh, commerce in general, but for e-commerce? And, and how, how has your background in, in magazines and, and online content stuff, how has that influenced you with, with True Earth? So, you know, I've, I've done like the try to get every single keyword or rank for everything or just drive any traffic that's relevant on a really broad scale to a vertical um, in the past. And, you know, it works okay. But I think uh, from a content creation standpoint, like I think... I think it, it, there, there's a lot of value because if you can if you can make the content align with your core values, your your brand story, what you're about, that that content uh, not only provides an avenue for discovery of your brand when people are looking for uh, for content on the topic, um, but it also provides additional value to your users, allows you to stay relevant. It re like it allows you to to tear down beliefs. Um, that may be incorrect or don't align with your brand and then rebuild them with the belief systems that they need to have in order to support you or want to support you or, you know, to want to be in your tribe. Um, and then obviously, um, any platform is always stronger when there is an audience. So, um, and you, as far as I'm concerned, like you don't want to be spread so thin where you have like 40 different mediums that you're delivering content on and you're not really focusing on any of them. But whether you're creating micro content for like, like in, uh, Instagram or Pinterest, or you're, whether you're creating these like long form value filled articles to get SEO traffic. I mean, I think like whatever you're doing, 
just really like the easiest way to do it. Cause a lot of people are like, what, what kind of content should I create about my brand? Um, and then I usually say, well, what's your story or what's your, your brand core values? And then they're like, oh, I don't really have a core, you know, I just kind of sell these things. I'm like, well, okay, first thing you got to go back, figure out what, the, what those are. And once you know what that is, it's pretty easy to a curate content if you don't have the means to create it yourself. And then, or, or B, create when, once you have the means to do it, you can, it's very easy to choose topics to create content around because you already know what your brand is about. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Awesome. Well, explain to everybody what is True Earth and how did you get into this business? Yeah, so True Earth, uh, this is what the package looks like. It is, uh, this is the equivalent of 32 loads of laundry. Um, I don't have a jug here. To show Which it looks you, like but... it, for those that are just listening, it's a, it's a colorful, bright, but, but relatively small envelope. Uh, can't yeah, probably very much. Eight inches tall, maybe by quarter inch. I don't know. And then like, yeah, something like that. Yeah. This is a, this is a, this is a 384 loads. So this is like a week worth at the Curry house, but um, <laughs> exactly. that's a, a year for the average family of four. <laughs> we're, we're like two, three loads a day. Some days it's, it's true. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then this is what the actual strip looks like. If you can see it, it's like, I want to say about four inches by like two and a half roughly. Yeah. And uh, that replaces, um, so in grams, that weighs about three grams, which is like a 10th of an ounce. Uh, a load of laundry is about 30 to 40 grams typically. So an ounce to an ounce and a third. Um, the reason why this is as effective as regular laundry detergent is because it has the same amount of suffoc- I think they're called suffocants as traditional laundry. Um, but we've basically, we've um, cooked it between uh, two layers. So it, it, it's the same efficacy, if not better, than majority of laundry detergents with uh, less than, I mean, liquid detergent is like 4% of the footprint, car- carbon footprint. Laundry detergent is 4% of the carbon footprint? What do you mean? Explain that. So, the, so, so I mean, regardless of whether people believe in climate change or not, um, sure. the amount, so when you, when you transport liquid laundry detergent, uh, you know, if, if each load is 40 grams and there's 32 loads, um, that's like... Uh, like what, like 1,260 grams, which is like 2.2 pounds, 2.3 pounds roughly uh, per, per, per bottle. This, oops, this package, which you can't see if you're listening, is uh, 90 grams, which is like three ounces. So uh, when, you, when you put together an entire truck of liquid laundry detergent, you might only be able to get, I don't know, let's just say a small truck. Let's say you can get 100, 100, 100, bottles in there. With True Earth, you'd be able to get a thousand packages or probably more actually in that same space. So each package uh, uses less overall fuel, which means less emissions uh, to, to move it across the world. Awesome. So, so you're, you're saving, you're, you're eco-friendly in terms of the, the size of the packaging, the, the weight and shipping it, just the the waste that's there, or rather the waste that's not there when you're using the product, and uh, you know it's one it's one of those things I know in some of your ads, and we'll get into this more in a little bit, but you, know, you show like just the the extreme amount of waste created by those plastic jugs that your mm-hmm. laundry detergent comes in, and so so you yeah. eliminate that entirely. So it's like hey, either a big jug of stuff or a little strip, and yeah, a little strip is as effective or more effective 
in, and you say it's only, it's only 4% of the footprint of, of laundry detergent. Is that, did I understand that correctly? Yeah. There's lots of math in there. Yeah. Lots of math. Yeah. And it was exciting, but I also got <laughs> lost a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's even better than like a pod is about 25 grams. So we're still way better than that, but it's basically better. I had somebody reach out to me yesterday from a cl this climate change project. And he told me that we have the most uh, eco-friendly laundry detergent with the smallest carbon footprint on the planet. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And like the, the other big thing, like you mentioned the jugs, there's 700 million laundry jugs a year that end up, end up in landfills. Um, and, you know, out of all the plastic jugs that actually get recycled, only 20% of them actually get recycled because of the demand for the, for the product that comes, the output of the recycling. So um, even when people think they're recycling, chances are it's just going to the garbage. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're solving a real problem that is only effective if the product actually works too, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, people won't keep buying it if it, doesn't, if it doesn't work. It does work. It's a fantastic product. So let's look at, I want to talk about a few things here. We're going to get into some marketing tactics and some marketing angles in a minute. But one thing you do well, and I think part of this comes from your background with, with magazines and subscription boxes and just understanding how that world works, subscriptions. So... You sell a consumable. Uh, a lot of listeners sell consumables, uh, uh, e-commerce products. So what are some of the mistakes you see e-commerce companies making when, when trying to sell subscriptions? And then what are some of the kind of the keys to success there? Well, so, I mean, I, I'm, I can definitely answer this because I definitely made uh, some mistakes when we started this. So, um. I'll just, I'll just start with the mistakes. So the, when we first started, um, the only way that you could get this product without a subscription was if you asked on an ad and we messaged it to you. Because, you know, we did like a really big minimum viable product launch on this. We just wanted to see if we could... We thought we were going to sell 150 uh, in the first month. Like that was our number. And 150 units or 150 subscriptions? Uh, well, we only had subscriptions, so okay, uh, okay. subscriptions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 yeah. Basically, we started off. You can only get a subscription. There's like the two different cents, and uh, the so. I mean, that part is you know you could probably get away if only offering subscriptions. Um, but where we dropped the ball was not thinking about the actual needs of each individual because a single person that's living by themselves has no need for 32 loads of laundry every single month. And so we didn't, we didn't offer any other options. Well, we did, again, it was only through customer service, but for like three months. So what we were seeing is uh, our attrition rate, like our attrition rate was still pretty good, but our attrition rate was fairly high and we we're causing a lot of like dissonance in people because you know, by the time they got their third package, if they're a single person, every time they look in their cupboard and they see three packages of, of truth, they're thinking, shit, man, I need to cancel the subscription. And then they don't do it or whatever. And every time they go to do laundry, it reminds them. And then they start getting like this negative feedback loop and this negative connotations of my brand. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, oh, well, you know what? I'm not going to go subscribe to this again because it was a pain in my ass to actually deal with it. Yeah, and, and they kind of they're doing this to be minimalist in a way, right? And to to reduce footprint and to reduce waste. And now I've got the pile, even though even though the product is very small and it fits in the you know drawer or whatever, it's still it's piling up, so to speak. And that that yeah. goes against the story and the brand too, you know. Hundred percent. So, um, so one thing that I learned, which was huge, 
And you know, I, I never really considered this before with my other subscriptions because it was it was just kind of like the other ones weren't consumables, right? Um, so we changed, we basically allowed people to choose their frequency, like monthly, bi-monthly, quarterly, or annually. Well, there's a whole bunch of different ways that you can, you can you can pick now. And we also allowed them the option to just do a one-time purchase. Um, and like the way that we framed it, we're still getting approximately 67% of people are taking the subscription offer uh, over the first the, time. The first time. 67%. Yeah. Interesting. So and yeah, I can what, tell you what do you why. Think that is? I, great question, Brett. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so from the beginning, we've made the price point more desirable, significantly more desirable on the subscription. We don't, we don't offer additional discounts for whether you buy monthly or uh, like if you monthly or bi-monthly or qu quarterly, whatever. We want people to be happy to use the product and we also want to make an impact. But what we did do is since the customer acquisition costs, like for us to be able to, to advertise a completely new product, we have to spend a lot of money to, to create awareness. Because like people aren't going to go into a grocery store, see a product they've never seen that looks different than everything else and just buy it for fun. Um, so we made so the it's one total, time. It's like a radically different laundry detergent, but it's, it's, a, it's a radically different approach. Uh, yeah. Using this little strip that, that, that just feels like it wouldn't work. Yeah. And I think that's, that's like, that, that was my perception when we were starting the brand too. Like when, when the, when the, before I had tried the product, I'm like, man, there's no way that's going to clean our clothes. Right. Um, and then I used it. I was like, whoa, I was wrong. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, so we, we price anchor very heavily. So if you want to buy the product a la carte, one at a time, it's $19.95 for a package. And if you want to get it on a subscription, it's $12.95. And they both include free shipping. Um, you know, some grocery stores have it and we have a minimum price that they can, people can sell it for, which is above or above the subscription price um, or at least advertise that. Um, but that like, you know, people see it like, oh, I'm going to use laundry detergent anyways. If I can pick the frequency, then I'm going to get it. Um, you know, and I, and there's no contract. I can cancel it anytime. It just makes sense to save whatever, like 37% or whatever that number is. Um, and it's more convenient, really. Like, I don't I'm never going to, it's never going to be 11 o'clock at night and I have like some event in the morning and I'm going to have to pick from stinky shirts because I know I'm not going to be like pouring an empty bottle of laundry detergent in the, in the wash and being cursing it for, for being out, you know? So yeah, that's, that, that's, that was the secret sauce. Do you think, it's, you know, uh, the savings that a consumer gets when they subscribe is, is really important. Obviously the convenience factor is huge. Laundry detergent, you're going to always wash your clothes. You want to think about it. So it really is those two things, saving cost savings and convenience. Um, there's a lot of products that can't do a 37% discount, right? For subscribe and save, because that would, that would be too much of a discount for them. How important do you think your discount is? Do you have any thoughts on like what, what the, the sweet spot is for a subscribe and save to use Amazon's language, but the subscription mm -hmm. discount? And, and then, and also, well, let's answer that first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got a couple of products that, that are discounted like 15% and they, they, you know, some people take it. Um, but yeah, it definitely seems from my experience that 25% or better tends to do well. And if somebody wants to switch to subscription, what I would suggest doing is, um, you know, pick a price that 
you want to sell your subscription for. Like maybe it's five percent less than your your current one time purchase price, and then start shifting the price of your one time purchase up over time. Um, obviously, A/B test. Make sure you're not like you're screwing yourself yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But I would be willing to bet that you will see more people take the subscription um, as you as you stretch that difference in price. Totally makes sense. And I, and I think, and I, and I appreciate you saying test it. And if you're going to increase that one-time price, do it, do it gradually over time, especially when, you know, if you're, if you're going from one-time purchase, you know, and you got no subscriptions, uh, you know, making that transition will be, will be tricky because you're at 67%. Is that right? Of, of subscriptions. Something yeah. Like both, that. both that. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Love that. Uh, what do you do? Do you, are you doing anything innovative or interesting? If someone does make that one-time purchase, maybe they remain a skeptic. They want to make sure it works or they're not sure how much they'll use. What do you do to get that one-time purchaser to convert to, to hopefully become a subscriber? So I got this really sloppy active campaign automation. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even joking. We're actually moving to Clavio. We're in the process of moving to Clavio. Nice. But... Um, so we basically have, um, we've, we've created four or five different emails that I think they trigger roughly, every, uh, the first one comes after 30 or 60 days. I can't remember. I, I, it's been a while since we set it up. But they're just basically different messages. They're not, we're always sending the same thing. Um, just trying to hit them from different angles. Hey, you're probably running a little on laundry detergent now. Um, you know, just wanted to check in. Um, here's here's some different options for you. Maybe you want to try a year if you like it. Uh, maybe you want to stay. Maybe you don't want a subscription. But here's all the other options and just kind of you know standard stand not standard but like just your typical email um, your typical emails for for trying to reengage a customer. Um, however, we do like monitor which ones perform the best. And then we'll like, um, one thing our email copywriter is doing right now is he's taking our most popular, uh, our most popular emails and then trying to recreate them. His name is Andrew, by the way, Andrew, you just make sure I, I don't see Um, but, uh, uh, use different lenses to, um, kind of talk to that same topic, but from like just different perspectives, um, which, you know, everybody doesn't respond to the same types of messaging. Some people respond to discounts. Some people respond to the story. Some people respond to just a reminder because they like the product and they were skeptical. So um, really, it's just a matter of writing a few different emails that, you know, offer the benefits from different different angles and, and just following up with an automation. Yep. I love it. And, and I love how you outline that. Some people respond just because they need a reminder. They love the product. They love using it, but they need a reminder that, oh yeah, I could subscribe and that would save me more and it would be more convenient. Some people respond to the story, right? Just reminding them of the impact they're making by purchasing this product and you know, all the goodness around the story. And some people just, they, they uh, respond to a discount. And so you got sure. to gotta, gotta lay out that discount. And so really understanding those three segments speaking directly to those three segments, automating that totally, totally makes sense. Uh, also, so sorry, but, to, what, I was going to say one, one last thing tied to that too. Is, I, I won't go along here, sorry to interrupt you, but I think a lot of people think that, I think there's a preconceived notion that your list doesn't want to buy more of your stuff. Uh, like not, not, not like all of your stuff, they want, they assume that they need different products or whatever. Our buyer list is in freaking scene. Like even though it's full of subscribers, like we'll, we'll, we'll send a promo with the exact same product to everybody who's already got it. 
Um, not necessarily a promo, but we'll talk about whether it's how many balls we've removed from landfills or just an update on our story. We're not even hard selling. And we sell so much. It's like people buying the product for their friends, people, you know, re-upping, getting more. Like there's like, it's just because people have bought, like if you sell, I don't know, let's say you sell protein powder. If you sell a protein powder and you assume people aren't going to buy more protein powder because they just bought protein powder, people are crazy. They know they're going to eat it. They got friends that are going to eat it. People like to talk about the things that they think work. Like they want to like, it's, it's I offer them more of what you've already sold them. Absolutely. I, I love that. And I think, especially with consumables and, you know, we're, you know, the, the, at the time of this recording, the world is opening back up to a large degree. We're not post pandemic, but like we're, we're post quarantine. I still think there's going to, so there's always this desire for some people to, to have enough, maybe not, maybe stockpile is not the right word or, or whatever, but people like to have, like they've got enough of something. I've got a little bit in reserve here. Right. And I think that's true with most consumables laundry detergent as well. So even those emails, uh, just telling the story, reminding people of, hey, here's how many bottles we've, we've kept out of landfills it, that, that causes them to purchase more. They want to have more on hand. They believe in the mission. And so, yeah, ne- never underestimate the power of a, a, an email that's well-crafted, even if it's not a sales message, in, in generating new sales. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, very cool. Um, so let's talk a little bit. I think I want to get into a couple of things. I want to get into some marketing tactics in a minute, but let's talk about brand story. I think that's the best transition right now. So so how do you approach brand story and and how are you working your unique story into emails and ads and, and really all that you do? Well, so, I mean, I've kind of blended a, a few different things together, but... Um, uh, my friend Kylie, we work with her to kind of come up with um, Jenner or no, no Kylie Jenner, not Kylie Jenner, not Kylie Jenner. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, she she worked with us to kind of come up with our 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 the feel and the avatar, and then like we already knew who our villain was. Like so, if you if you don't have a brand story, the easiest thing to do is get. Donald Miller, I think his name's book, Brand Story. It's and so good, like, so it's good. so good. It's like, I, I've been telling everybody about this. Like, you know, it's it's not rocket science. Um, like he even has like like worksheets you can go through, like who's your villain? Like who's the, what's the, what's the, the guy do? What's the unique mechanism? Like, you know, it, I can't remember all the details of his exact program, but it is like, dummy proof man like you you just need to figure out who your villain is um and only have one villain because if you have multiple villains we're not we're not batman here like (laughs) talk about that just a little bit because this is an interesting concept and it's very powerful in a lot of ways but but why do you need a villain when you're when you're telling your brand story and and who who could that villain be i think a lot of people they hear the word villain they have the wrong the wrong picture in their mind here, uh, but speak to that a little bit. Yeah. Um, Blair Warren has a book called the, uh, one sentence persuasion, um, uh, one pers- one sentence persuasion course. And, um, basically this is, this is it. It's like people will do anything for those who encourage their dreams, justify their failures, allay their fears, confirm their suspicions and help them throw rocks at their enemies. So, 
That, that is so that, powerful. Can, can you actually read that again? I'll, and I'll, link, I'll put that in the show notes. And um, this can be used also in nefarious ways. So if you, if you look at, and we're going we're gonna to talk about like the good ways to use this, right? But if you look at successful politicians and, yes. and people that are even very manipulative in what they do, they are masters at what, what, uh, what Blair, War, Blair Warren lays out there. So, so go through that one more time. Their, their name might rhyme with Trump. <laughs> Possible. I don't want to call anybody out, though. We don't, we don't um, want to mention specifics, but that is, that is possibly true, yes. So, um, the, here's the quote again. It's by Blair Warren, and he has a book. It's really good. It'd take you like an hour to read. But uh, it's called, People Are, this is what it, how it goes. People will do anything for those who encourage their dreams, justify their failures, allay their fears, confirm their suspicions, and help them throw rocks at their enemies. And Story brand basically helps you figure out what all of those things are. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and the villain, in the case of a product, it may not be a person, right? We're not, we don't need the villain to be a person per se. You know, if you're selling a mattress, the villain is uh, poor sleep, or it's it's a mattress yeah. industry that's been lying to you and, and pulling the wool over your eyes and tricking you for a long time. So it doesn't have to be like this. Doesn't have to be a nasty mudslinging campaign like politicians do, but. There needs to be a villain, right? You need you need to be yeah. you need to be fighting against something. It could be a concept. The villain could be climate change or or just pollution and and landfill, uh, you know, whatever uh, overwhelm things like you know. The, so there needs to be there needs to be a villain, right? Yeah. How, how have you guys identified and kind of clarified who your villain is? Um, I mean, we had a couple different villains when we started. Um, I mean, we still have them both, but we don't really. It was kind of like, I mean, obviously it's climate change um, or let's start not climate change, like uh, the plastic laundry jugs and um, uh, what's it called? Um, the carbon footprint, but we lean more on the jugs. Um, like we created the true earth movement, which is um, small changes lead to big impact. But our big thing with that is how many laundry jugs we've kept out of landfills. And we're around a million now. So beautiful. That's so that's so tangible though, right? And and different people, I think, will make different associations there. Some people will say, man, that's impacting climate change, and I feel so good about that. Other people will say, just good for pollution. I feel so good about that, whatever the case may be. But the but identifying the jugs, it's it's visual. It feels tangible. If you were just to go with something conceptual, it is a little. I think it's a little harder to get people excited. So that, that I think that was a very smart choice. Thank you. And I mean, what's really cool about when you tie the villain in and you create some form of movement. So like we have this and we're also doing another thing where we're donating laundry ships. To, we just donated like, I don't know, like 300 grand or 150 grand worth of Philadelphia food share. And we got one going to... Uh, LA right now, and some going to Ghana. We're just, we're sending it everywhere. Um, basically, trying to, to that's like our operation give back. But people, but when people buy things, the biggest reason they get like post purchase dissonance, like or, or a buyer's remorse, is because um, you know either the thing was expensive and they're not sure if, if they're going to like it, or um, you know it's usually tied to. Um, not really having any sort of connection to the product outside of just wanting it. So when you can make your brand, like fight a villain, uh, help a cause, um, lift people up, and then you make it so it's not about the brand achieving those things, but about the customer achieving that and being part of that. They're not buying the product. Now they are 
buying into the movement. And yep. it's a lot harder to feel shitty about saving the environment and helping kids in Africa than it is to feel shitty about buying a laundry detergent that costs a little bit more than Tide. Right. It's so true. And, and that, that goes back to you know, the story brand and Donald Miller's concept of the hero of the story is the customer, right? The hero of the story is the customer feeling like I'm making an impact. I'm part of a movement. I'm keeping, you know, I'm helping kids in Africa. I'm, I'm keeping landfills clean. Uh, they're the, they're the, the hero. You're the guide. You're the guy yeah. that is helping them in the process, helping them achieve what they want to achieve. And, and so that's that, easy to forget. That's easy to forget. Like, I don't know how many times, I don't write that many emails anymore where I've written it. Well, we're so happy that our team is da 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 I'm like, at first I was like, oh, sweet. I'm going to make it about the team. And then I'm like, afterwards, I'm like, shit, it's, can't, it's not about the team. You know, they're they the customer the that feels like it's still just about you, not about yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. It's like, we want to thank you for contributing to these 1 million bottles. Like, because of you, we're able yeah. to uh, achieve this. And then, when you ask them to share the movement with other people, like they get, they get to brag that they contributed to this as opposed to they're associated with a brand that contributed to this. Yep, yep. And that's like, just like, like um, paradigm shift in people's brains. Mm. And that's where if you, if you do those things uh, that Blair Warren talks about, and then, and, you know, we're, we're kind of highlighting the, the villain aspect, but when there is a true villain and when you're also helping someone achieve their dreams and, and, you know, all, all those other things, that's when they're more likely to be an ambassador. That's when they're more likely to refer. That's when they're more likely to just say, hey, there's a discount now or whatever. I'm just going to buy some for friends. I'm going to buy some. I'm going to give it away. I'm going to get other people in on this movement as well. That only happens if you have a, a brand story well executed. It does not ha happen if you're just about price, you know? Yeah. And so you guys have done done very well at that. Uh, other Other tips or suggestions, things you've done well things you haven't done so well as it pertains to brand story? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, obviously everything's a work in progress. And sure. I'm like, I'm really good at starting stuff. Um, and my follow through is not as good as other people's. So, you know, we try, I try to um, involve other people that are good at follow through. But um, I think a lot of people get hung up on perfecting all of these pieces pieces before they actually like start implementing it. And like, that's going to get that, that's going to hurt you worse than like, you know, fractionally implementing some of these elements into your, into your, uh, your overall business. Because like what I found and you know, your brand story may actually change. And some of these elements may change over time. Uh, especially if you're running Facebook ads or YouTube ads and you'll notice that different hooks wind up performing better than other hooks. And like, it has to be dynamic. I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you're like Procter & Gamble or somebody like that, you obviously can't just be dynamic and agile with all of your marketing messages and stuff like that. But when, you know, when you're a, 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 a disruptor brand or you know, people like us, you can be agile. You can change some of these things based on performance. Um, and... Yeah, people might like, you know... That's like, what, that, that's our advantage. Like, that's what we should be yeah. leveraging and taking advantage of. So so embrace that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so like, you know, you find something that works really well. Um, maybe swap another piece of your brand story out for that if, if it makes sense. And um, just sitting on things... Like, I just find the longer I sit on things, the better chance. Like, I have a, I'm have looking at my Trello list right now. Of, I have like 
to do. And then I have to do today, which was basically my new list of things that I had to do because I couldn't, uh, for whatever. but they're both like freaking 50,000 pages long. And I know that 90% of that stuff is never getting done because I sat on it. And the same goes with, with like the story stuff, like just learn from your ads. You know, if you, if you need a tactical thing to test, what's the best hook, go and create a, uh, a Facebook ad with your, 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 you know, your target audience and use a dynamic creative and, you know, use whatever one image, but like put like, you know, five different headlines and just see which one Facebook yep. Yep. resonates the best with, right. Or split test your headline on your, on your site and, just split to add. I mean, there's so many ways that you can you can find out what the, the best thing is. It's never been easier to test and and you, you have to test because you're going to find things that that will surprise you. You know, we uh, we we do a lot of YouTube ads and full disclosure, we, we run True Earth's uh, Google and, and YouTube campaigns. Uh, Highly recommend just, them. Hey, <laughs> thanks. Did, did not uh, did not pay you for that, but thank you for that. Appreciate that. Uh, but we just we had like this tried and true call to action that we've been using all the time in our YouTube ads. We just started testing a new one. So learn more was kind of the the call to action that seemed to work best in the little call to action button on YouTube. Now we found shaking it up a little bit makes a difference, and it does vary a little bit uh, client by client, but. It's one of those things, yeah, don't ever stop testing. Even with, And the reason we landed on Learn More is because we had tested a whole bunch and Learn More was the winner. And so we're like, well, let's just do that. And then and then we kind of forgot to test again for a while. And then we started testing. We're like, oh my goodness, this this other CTA is actually working even better. And so um, it's been super interesting. Yes, yeah, so you got to keep testing. It's never been easier to test than it is now. Um, so let's talk about uh, what, what are some of the things you've learned and let's, let's dig into Facebook a little bit because I know that's kind of how you got started. And I think that's a great place to start for a brand like yours because it is so different. It is so unique. People aren't just searching for something on Google just like it, right? They need to kind of see it in action before they go search for it. Um, so how'd you get started on Facebook? You know, early lessons and, and how has your approach on Facebook uh, changed from, from when you guys launched? Yeah, I mean, I've been on doing Facebook ads since like 2014, like arbitraging clicks to Google ads. Uh, but I mean, you know, it's my, you know, Facebook evolves really fast. Um, I used to be able to crush sales with engagement posts, engagement objectives or like different objectives. And like, you know, it's just gotten really efficient with purchase objective. But um, a common problem I think I see a lot with... Uh, um, with, I actually talked about something similar to this on a perpetual traffic a couple weeks ago. But uh, um, one thing I see a lot is people complaining that their ads burn out or they become less effective over time. And it, it, it's super true, right? Like I'll, I'll have an ad that's absolutely doing amazing um, and it'll do amazing. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just pour gasoline all over it and, and, and like it, it, it does great. And then until it doesn't, and then it kind of sits in like this, like, area where, you know, your returns aren't that great. Um, and like, I always struggled to like, you know, just constantly create, put creative and what, how to test it and blah, 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 blah. So I got, I kind of got tired of my ads burning out and we, we basically set up a really simple standard operating procedure um, that where we have every week I have somebody on my team and I, I've always found that Facebook ads were kind of difficult to, to turn into standard operating procedures because everything changes so quickly. But uh, every week, every Monday, um, a guy on my team goes and takes... We do, we do a lot of micro-influencer stuff. 
but they'll go and they'll take uh, five different micro influencer uh, photo photos, and they'll create uh, ten different ads from those with our two best copy. Um, one is really story focused, and one is really benefit focused. Um, I find that those you know different people respond to each of those differently. I've got winning ones. You know, we can split test that copy somewhere else with a winning creative, but um, basically every every Monday five of those. And then we take one video creative that we've made and we test that again with those two, two things. And if, if any of those wind up being winners and, and hit certain numbers, we extract them and we put them in our big boy campaigns, whether it's the retargeting or, or top of funnel, whatever, wherever it looks like it'll work best. And before I would be testing creative like once a month and um, you know, I would probably find, I usually find something good like once a month, every, every, every two months, but it was really like, you kind of get in this headspace that, um, you've just chewed up all of the audience or you've like, you know, Facebook ads are getting worse. They're getting more expensive. Yes. They're getting more expensive. Blah, blah, Everything blah. to a certain degree. Every, yeah. yeah. But you can counter that. And like, you might, whatever your best CPA is, if you hit an ad, that really resonates with people or whatever. Like it, there's, there are, there's like, there's definitely the 80, 20 of ads. Like you, the 80, the, you know, the rest of these ones might do like the 80% of them may do well. I mean, 20% of them may do terrible. 60% of them may perform enough to keep them active. And then there's going to be a 20% that do well. And there's gonna be like 4% that are like absolutely mind blowing yeah. that you, you, you are going to, get a line of credit and drain your bank account to, to make sure that this ad gets seen by as many people as possible. And, you know, there's not like a, 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 a winning ticket out there um, to magically win at Facebook ads or Google ads or something like that. But if you're not testing, you're going to burn out and you're going to burn out your ads and you're not going to find anything that's effective. Um, and if you don't know what to create for ads, like the actual creative, the two things, please, two things, obviously, uh, pictures of people holding your product are great. Um, Ezra's got the, the love demo love, which is like testimonial demonstration, another testimonial. Um, yeah, it was originally a testimonial like sandwich. So that's usually how we, yes. we, we refer yes, to it as that, but, but love demo love is great too. That's, that's more Ezra uh, and, I, and his lingo, which I like. But yeah, that's a fantastic, that works on, on YouTube with YouTube ads, works with Facebook ads, just, just such a great template. And, and I think to kind of underscore some of the things you're saying, you know, we, we get upset. We get upset that ad costs are going up. We get upset that creatives wear out quickly, or we could just embrace it and say, this is just the way it is. And so how do we build this into our standard operating procedures? How do we get really good at testing and deploying lots of creatives and, and you know, uh, weeding out the, the losers and pouring more gas on the winners? Because your competitors probably won't do that. And they're going to be just as frustrated as, as you feel like you are. So, so rise above that and just, you know, just, just do what it takes. And you guys, you guys do that very well. Yeah. So, Thanks, man. Any, uh, any surprises, any takeaways as you've got Nick, because I know you have SEO background and you, you know Google and, and you're, you're really into Facebook ads. But as you guys have done more and more with, with Google and YouTube, any, any interesting uh, takeaways or insights or things you've observed on the, the Google and YouTube channels? Uh, like like um, like Google search, Google search or, uh, or Google or, or YouTube uh, 
YouTube ads. You mean? Yeah. So, so both. So take take oh. your pick on on which you want to. Cool. Talk about um. So before I work with you guys, and this isn't a plug for Brad, although I would I would definitely recommend Brad and his team. Um. Google Shopping, like I had never, I didn't even know how to set it up because it's kind of complex. I'm, it, it, it's an effective tool. Um, there's a whole lot of uh, wins tucked in there for e-commerce, um, which reminds me, I should probably get you guys to set up some other ones. But um, uh, I was really surprised by that. Um, the YouTube, I find, uh, has been kind of fickle. Like we've tried, you and I tried it before with another brand and we, and um, you know, my creative probably sucks because the, the creative on Facebook on YouTube is different than the creative on Facebook. It's, it's quite different. I, there's some interesting correlations where if you have video that works on Facebook, then you can probably get YouTube ads to work too. But, but it's usually not the exact same creative. It usually needs to be tweaked some. There's, there's been a few cases where we can, take creative directly from Facebook and, and run on YouTube, but that's that's very much the exception, not the rule. Sure. Like the one ad that's done well for us with you guys didn't do exceptionally well on Facebook. So it's, I mean, uh, and I guess it's really, it's the same with virtually any platform is, and you know, why it's tough to be a media buyer on omni-channel media buyer and be really good at it is because every channel the, the the way that people consume it is a little bit different, and the the customer that's living there is a little bit different. Um, the, the algorithms are a little bit different, right? So how you can yeah. influence that and, and optimize that's going to be different. But one, you know, the cool thing I really liked about YouTube um, is that, like, from from watching what you guys have done, is how like you can take that search intent, like not even necessarily what they search, but like it's just there's just so many different angles that you could access when they're part of that whole Google suite um, that you can't, you can't get through Facebook. So um, you, uh, it's when you guys started, when, when, when True Earth started uh, seeing success with what you guys were doing on YouTube, I was like, first I was like, all right, like, is this going to last a week and it's going to, it's going to die. And this was in January. And it's funny because at, at Blue Ribbon, uh, Brett and I were both at Blue Ribbon. We we're in uh, Tampa, right? That was where it was, right? Mm -hmm. Where it was. Yep. I had a lot of people saying like, I, there's not a lot of people that I found that have been able to be successful with YouTube. And I don't know what the reason is, but everybody told me that your, that your creative burns out in like a week. And I mean, we're, we're at six, we're at six months, I think almost now. And yeah. the main creative is still the same. Right. Right. Yeah. That is one key difference between YouTube and, and Facebook on YouTube. If you find a winning ad, it may run for North, you know, for longer than a year. And, and the reason for that, you talked about audiences, if we're looking at like intent-based audiences, so audiences based on what people are searching for and things like that, those audiences refresh all the time, right? So I'm, I'm searching for this today. So now I'm on your list, but then I'm not searching for it later. I'm off the list. So like the, you're always getting new people on those lists that you're targeting. And that's one of the reasons why those ads can just, can just keep working on YouTube. So they'd be testing and tweaking some things, but yeah, they definitely have a longer shelf life for sure. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that was, I, I really like, yeah, that's, that's, I think a lot of people are very dependent on Facebook. So I think, you know, if you want to be an omni-channel brand, if you can figure out YouTube or have somebody like Brett and his team figure out YouTube for you, um, it just gives you a little bit of breathing room to not like have to completely base your entire business existence on one 
platform. Right. Right. Which, which is really never a good idea. And, and obviously I love YouTube because that's what I've been kind of been the focus of my professional life for the last four or five years or so. But it is a good idea to, to diversify. There's depending on your business model, your product and, and a variety of things, your audience, there's a ton of scale on YouTube. We have some clients that spend more on YouTube than they spend on Facebook and, and a lot that spend more on Facebook than YouTube. It kind of depends on, on a variety of factors. But but yeah, diversifying is, is definitely a good idea for sure. So a, as we kind of wrap up, Ryan, this has been fantastic. Thank you for being so open and honest and sharing. Um, what's next for, for True Earth? And, and obviously you may have some super top secret stuff you can't share, but but where are you guys going from here? Uh, well, we're looking to get a new office. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're uh, possibly with a bit of retail. Um, so we have like a warehouse with retail. Uh, you know, it's going to probably be a few months away, provided COVID doesn't hurt us. But um, we're trying to ramp up retail pretty hard. Um, and we're, we're starting to push a little bit more uh, in Europe and stuff like that. Um, but really, you know, just trying to get the product all over the world so we can um, eliminate plastic jugs from landfills love as it, a team. Love it. Yep. Yep. Fantastic. Love the message, love the product, love the brand. Uh, how can people, if people want to learn more about True Earth or more about you, where can they, where can they find you? So uh, you can find more about True Earth if you go to www.tru dot e-a-r-t-h there's no dot com um true you want to find earth, it will link to the show notes as well yeah and uh, i mean you can find me um uh, i'm on twitter i don't really post that much but rye mckenzie r-y-e-m-c-k-e-n-z-i-e or on facebook um my facebook business page is uh uh facebook.com slash the rye mckenzie same as Twitter, but with a that in front of it because somebody nice. else took my name. <laughs> so he's trying to, it's an imposter. They're trying to be like Ryan uh, McKenzie. So I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes as well. So you can check that out at uh, OMG Commerce and click on the podcast and you'll find it there as well. So Ryan McKenzie, ladies and gentlemen, Ryan, man, thanks for taking the time. It's been a, a ton of fun. Really appreciate you coming on. Oh, my pleasure, man. I was very uh, generous of you to have me on the show. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks. Fantastic. And as always, thank you for tuning in. We'd love to hear feedback from you. What would you like to hear more of on the podcast? What would you like to hear less of on the podcast? We'd love that review on iTunes. It helps other people discover the podcast as well. And so with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.